Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Welcome to the Torah study this morning. I'm Pastor Scott. Appreciate you guys, your faithfulness. Uh, you've been, uh, through the years, so faithful to come out, rain or shine, to this weekly gathering. What a blessing you are. I, uh, I just was inspired this morning uh, to write a few notes on faithfulness. Uh, and uh, faithfulness has to do with someone's integrity. Okay? There's an inner characteristic uh, within someone uh, that God wants to develop called faithfulness. Uh, it speaks to someone who's reliable, uh, someone who's dependable, someone who's trustworthy, someone who's consistent, uh, someone that's true to God's word, to their own word. And God values faithfulness. And he promises a handsome reward to those that cultivate this quality of faithfulness. Uh, Proverbs 28.20 says that a faithful person will be richly blessed. In my B.C. days, wasn't very faithful. I was faithful to drugs and alcohol. I was faithful to the devil's call. And uh, actually, that was unfaithfulness. That wasn't responsibility, that was irresponsibility. And so a lot of my early years in the faith were unwinding all that mess. (laughs) Lord, renew my mind, renew the spirit of my mind, get all of that ungodliness out of my system, and help me be a man of God. I'd like to say that happened in a couple weeks. It took a couple years with the mess I was in. 1 Samuel 26.23 says, The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. Thank God for His rewards. Amen. Matthew 25.23, in Jesus' parable, He said, Good work, His Master said. You are a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over this small amount, so now I will give you much more. How many like the idea of much more blessing? How many like the idea of much more wisdom? How many like the idea of more spiritual vision, more divine favor, more discernment, more sensitivity to the Spirit of God, more abundant life in every area? Who likes that idea? Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, it's connected with our level of faithfulness. And, uh, of course, I know I'm uh, preaching to the choir here, so God bless you. Uh, It leads us into our Torah study today in that the personification of faithfulness in the Bible is Abraham, the father of our faith. And you can't have faith without faithfulness. Just like you can't have Christmas without Christ. And Abraham was faithful to answer God's call. So were you. 
Amen. Uh, he was called to follow God. He became the very first Jew, the very first Hebrew. And so he walked in divine revelation. He had a relationship with the Lord that we need to learn more about. Uh, because we are the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, if you are in Him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to God's promise to Abraham. And so Abraham had this divine revelation that there was but one true and living God. Amen. He uh, is the original. He didn't coin the phrase, but he lived it. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. Listen up, Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And so he brought that revelation uh, to the world. He had great spiritual vision. He had strong faith. He overcame many obstacles. I thought being a Christian meant there weren't no giants. I beg your pardon. God never promised you a road. Well, he, he did, but the devil always wants something to say about that too. But Abraham passed many tests. Uh, he lived a long and blessed life. He was divinely favored. Abraham was very wealthy. And through him, billions, with a B, not billions served by McDonald's, billions served by Father Abraham, who had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you. So let's praise the Lord. Billions have been grafted into the family of God through the centuries, through the millenniums, 4,000 years worth because of Abraham's faith. And so, in this week's Torah study, uh, beginning in Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis 17, Abraham receives some very special promises from God. Uh, They're the very first promises to the Jewish people and by extension to every believer even to this day. And Genesis 12.3, so many of us know this as one of the key verses in all the Bible that lays a foundation for faithfulness, for living by faith, for a relationship with the Lord. God says to Abraham in Genesis 12.3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is an avos promise. You've heard Pastor Larry talk about avos or avot, the first of things. This is the very first promise that God gives Abraham and the Jewish people. And so those that stand with Israel and support the Jewish people and their divine destiny are going to be blessed. Amen. How many of you like the idea of great spiritual blessing on your life? How many of you like the idea of great physical blessing, health and healing? 
a, a, a prosperous soul. Amen. So much more. How many of you like the idea of a financial blessing? There's a wealth that comes from the Lord and adds no sorrow to it. Hallelujah. That's the blessing of Abraham. And let me just add this. I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago. Genesis 12, 3 is the only appropriate foreign policy for the church. Replacement theology, we've replaced Israel, is not a very smart policy. I will bless those that bless Israel. Well, Israel had their chance and God got rid of them. No, he didn't. (coughs) Stop listening to that myth and that misinformation. Fake news, fake fake religious news. (coughs) Today, we're seeing this proverbial line being drawn in the sand, being drawn in the world, whether or not someone stands with Israel. In recent days since uh, the Hamas attack and the Hamas massacre, uh, we're seeing around the world, we're seeing in America, we're seeing even in the halls of Congress, people with pro-Hamas uh, symbols, pro-Hamas banners, pro-Hamas. They, it's under the guise of pro-Palestinian, but it's really pro-Hamas. I'll show you some of this, and we've heard some of this in the weeks past. But uh, God is using what the devil means for evil to cause people to have to choose a side. When, when I was in Bible college, uh, you know, almost 40 years ago, um, our, uh, one of our instructors said that the closer that we get to the coming of the Lord, to the rapture, the easier it's going to be for people to know what side they've taken. And so a lot of what we see in our culture, in society, in events, even though it looks like the devil is winning, God will use what the devil means for evil, and he will help people to sort through the madness and decide, you know, I have no control over so much of that, but I have a control over what I believe, and as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, we're going to stand for biblical values and even though people might not like it and they'll protest and they are protesting and believe me they're not done protesting if we can just take care of that Jewish state then the American state will be next so bless Israel or face the consequences Today, Israel's facing one of its greatest conflicts since the Holocaust. You know, that whole surprise attack that led to a massacre is for Israel on a scale of our 9-11. In population equivalency, it would be like Israel lost 40,000, 50,000 people that day. Uh, The... uh, the thousands that are dead and the, the, the thousands that are injured, uh, we pray for them. Amen? We feel a, a, a compassion towards them. What about the 200 hostages? 
over 200 hostages. Why doesn't nobody? Why isn't anybody talking about the hostages anymore? It just blows my mind. Even even people at the highest levels just seem to they're calling for a ceasefire. Hey, don't forget about the babies that were taken hostage before you talk about a ceasefire. Why don't you talk about the innocents that are in a tunnel somewhere just uh, out of their minds? Can you imagine being in that position? Tens of thousands have been evacuated. Uh, we're going to speak to a woman today via Zoom who was evacuated from one of the kibbutzes. Uh, and uh, it's through Larry Huck Ministries, New Beginnings Church, you and I, our faithful tithes and offerings, uh, that we were able to help evacuate her down to the uh, southern part of Israel, away from the rockets, away from the guns, away from the terror and she's going to join us uh, via Zoom here uh, in, in about an hour or so. So, uh, anyways, we, we have many friends there. You saw Josh and Rebecca last week in the main service. Dear friends of ours, been to their house many times. Uh, bre- broken bread with uh, them many, many times. We need God to release a fresh wave of safety and protection over all these dear people that are terrorized. Uh, we, we know that many of the uh, elderly that we support don't even want to leave their house. They're afraid to walk outside for fear they're going to get shot. And so uh, we pray that God would comfort them and give them some sort of peace. In the name of the Lord, we pray. We're praying for the health and the healing, the restoration of those that are injured, and the consolation and the comfort uh, for the families who have lost uh, loved ones, people that were murdered. And... Yes, we pray for the safe return of all the hostages. We call upon the the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Guardian of Israel, uh, to bring a quick and decisive victory, an overwhelming victory over Hamas and the Palestinian Arabs that are terrorists. So with Genesis 12.3 in the Torah study this week, uh, it's important that we uh, get into understanding things from a biblical viewpoint. Uh, people have a worldview. We see that on TV. All these pro- They have a world. What's your worldview? What's your biblical view? It's good to base your views on the Bible. <laughs> just a thought <laughs> that maybe maybe I base how I think my opinions my attitudes and uh, what have you on what God says not on what uh, CNN says the war between the Jews and the Arabs goes all the way back to Abraham Abraham and Sarah who God promised that they would have a son of the covenant. Uh, But uh, Abraham and Sarah invited Hagar into the camp when they came out of Egypt and back into Canaan. Uh, Abraham and Sarah were told by God they would have a son of the promise. 
But as time went on and the promise didn't manifest, they thought they'd help God out. And I don't know how all of this worked. I don't even know in heaven if I want to ask Abraham and Sarah uh, how you had these discussions. But somehow uh, they were worried that God wouldn't keep his part of the bargain. So they decided, well, maybe we better, we're so old, maybe we better uh, see about having a Abraham, why don't you sleep with Hagar and have a son? Abraham was all too willing to agree. (laughs) And as a result, Ishmael was born. The first Arab. Abraham's the first Jew. Ishmael's the first Arab. Uh, And Ishmael, yes indeed, a son of Abraham. Uh, He's considered to be the father of the Arab nations, Ishmael. But he's not the covenant son, according to our Bible. You still believe the Bible, right? Doesn't mean we hate Ishmael. It just means there's a order here that God had ordained Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The honor of the covenant son belonged to Isaac. And this created the original conflict within the family. Eventually, God said, you got to banish Hagar and Ishmael. And the reason was that Ishmael was terrorizing Isaac. There's many uh, teachings on how far that terrorizing went. Uh, it wasn't just that he was uh, innocently teasing Isaac. We won't get into all of that. But look at what, uh, how the Bible describes the characteristics of Ishmael and his descendants in Genesis 16. This is all part of this week's teaching. In verse 12, it says, He, Ishmael, will be a wild donkey of a man. Okay, now you can accept that. Or you can, uh, ushers, you can bring white out for those that don't want to believe in that and you can white that out in your, uh, raise your hand if you need white out for your Bible. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against every man continually fighting and every man's hand against him. And he will dwell in defiance of all his brothers, even his stepbrother Isaac. So, uh, beginning with the first Arab, there was a pattern of defiance and terror, and it's continued throughout history. This is just the nature of Hamas. We got into that last week when we talked about Uh, how Hamas appears in the Bible 67 times. And uh, you recall in the Torah study uh, of Noah, in Genesis chapter 6, 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with Hamas. The earth was filled with violence. So the Hebrew word violence, no one ever knew this, right? 
is uh, the Hebrew word for Hamas is violence, acts of aggression, especially involving physical contact. Uh, it's always used with, in connection with extreme wickedness and sinful violence. In rabbinical literature, it means extortion, to seize violently, murderous, and complete moral destruction, Hamas. And so even that, you can trace that back to Genesis 16 in Ishmael's description, that he will be a wild donkey of a man against every man, continually fighting every man's hand against him, and he will dwell in defiance against all of his brothers. So far-left liberals pro-Palestinian Arab sympathizers want you to believe that the propaganda that's going on in this conflict between Israel and Gaza, Israel and Palestine, Arabs and Jews, uh, is all about who has the right to the land of Israel. But it really isn't about the right to the land. They accuse Israel of being occupiers uh, uh, who have put the rightful owners of the promised land under oppression and are perpetrating violence and genocide. That's their shtick. That's their narrative. That's the lie. And it's how they justify their blatant anti-Semitism. But isn't it interesting that these claims only started 75 years ago in 1948. Isn't that interesting? That Before that, not much history about that. In fact, we've been with Zev Orenstein, who is uh, one of the chief people at the City of David. He's shown us tour guide documents in the early 1900s explaining how the Temple Mount was uh, where Solomon's Temple was built. And uh, everything was very uh, Jewish, uh, favorable. Uh, Pastor brought this point out that for uh, 400 years from 1517 to 1917, when World War I ended, the entire Middle East had one boundary. The boundary of the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Ottoman Empire. There was no Lebanon. There was no Syria. There was no Iraq. There was no Jordan. And there was no uh, boundary for Israel. It was just one gigantic uh, mass of land in the Middle East called the Ottoman Empire for 400 years. Go back in American history 400 years ago. That's a long time. In fact, from 70 A.D., when Rome destroyed Solomon's temple, Herod's temple at that point, to 1948... Palestine, what they called Palestine, was never an independent state. Never in all that time. From 70 A.D. to 1948, the Arab people living in the promised land, why do we call it the promised land? Because it was promised to somebody. (laughs) Wasn't promised to Ishmael. 
It was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we'll show you that in just a minute. But through all of those 2,000 years, practically 2,000 years, the Arab people living in the promised land, they never called themselves Palestinians. They never called for a Palestinian state. They were never a nation. Throughout all of history, Jerusalem has never been the eternal and undivided capital city of any Arab or Islamic state. Never. Isn't that strange? Isn't it strange that the original Palestinian Arab state was officially approved just after 1917, just after World War I, called Jordan. No one knows this, but it's history. Jordan was the original. And then uh, finally the king of Jordan got so fed up with that particular group that he killed 30,000 of them on one day and kicked the rest out. Called Black Friday. Strangely, in 1922, uh, as the international community was trying to carve up the land, this is where, after in the San Remo Conference, this is where Lebanon was, uh, suddenly had boundaries. Syria suddenly had boundaries. Iraq suddenly had boundaries. Jordan at that time, Transjordan suddenly had boundaries, and Israel had 77 more percent of the land at that time than they uh, do today. Israel was originally carved out by the international community to have all the land God originally gave Abraham. And then because of things called oil... money, all of a sudden, they began to shrink Israel's boundaries. They didn't shrink Lebanon's. They didn't shrink Syria's. They didn't shrink Iraq's. They didn't shrink Jordan's. But the the Jewish state, we're going to have one Jewish state in all the world, and even that's too much. So we're going to shrink it all down by 77%. And so, yeah, we're just now realizing there never was a Palestinian flag. There never were Palestinian borders. We remember it was the Romans following the destruction of the temple in the first century. and They hated Israel so much, they hated the Jewish people so much, that they erased all of the names of Israel, Judea and Samaria, and called it Palestine after the Philistines who just happened to occupy the land of Gaza at that time. That was their little stretch. The Philistine stretch of land is where modern-day Gaza is. And so, um, why wasn't there ever an international body trying to create a separate Palestinian state? When did all of that happen? 1964. One of the original and best-known terrorists uh, in all of Arab terror history is Yasser Arafat. 
And in 1964, Yasser Arafat and all his henchmen uh, came up with a demonic, devilish idea. Uh, Instead of all of these Arab states coming against tiny little Israel, let's, let's carve out uh, a, a new narrative and say, we're the Palestinian people that this mighty giant of Israel is trying to oppress and commit genocide against. And so there's where the narrative all changed. But look at their founding documents. The founding documents of every Arab terrorist group, including Hamas, including Hezbollah, including the Islamic Jihad and Fatah, including uh, the Iranian Red Guard and all. They're here for one reason, to eradicate Israel and eradicate the Jews. They're modern-day Nazis. And, and so the question then comes up, well, uh, what evidence is there that the Jewish people are legitimate heirs to the land of Israel? There can't be any evidence. Ah, I beg your pardon. Did you know that the Jews are the only nation with a continuous presence in Israel since Abraham? There's always been Jews in Israel since the days of Abraham. And archaeology proves that. Archaeology continues to prove that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. Underneath the Temple Mound, uh, they've had this giant conflict between Jews and Arabs because the Arabs are illegally excavating things underneath the Temple Mound. And then under the cover of darkness, they fill up all the dump trucks and they take the dump trucks out into the middle of the desert trying to hide all of the archaeological evidence. And so Israel created a uh, group that goes and sifts through all of that and tons of uh, ancient artifacts have been discovered that came from underneath it. Well, this was always Muslim land. No, I'm sorry. You can even go, uh, all of the mosques, the, uh, t- uh, the, the mosque there and the dome on the rock, they used to be Christian churches. Did you know that? That before, uh, the first mosque built in Jerusalem was built 690 years after Jesus. Did you know that? Yeah. Did you know Jerusalem is recorded 667 times in our Bible? How many times is it recorded in the holy book of Islam, the Quran? How many times? Take a wild guess. Zero times. You would think if Jerusalem was this big, important city uh, to Islam, you'd at least mention it a couple times. Mohammed never visited Jerusalem. In fact, the mosques weren't built until 90 years after he died. We've been on the Pilgrim's Row where they've excavated from the Pool of Siloam, the Messiah's Pool, down, uh, it's in an Arab neighborhood, 
and they discovered the Pilgrim's Road based on a water leak about 20-some years ago. Uh-oh, bring in the crew. Let's fix the water leak. And the next thing you know, OMG, we found history right beneath our feet. The city of David and the Pilgrim's Road, which was the road everyone took up to the temple uh, three times a year uh, on Passover, Pentecost, Shavuot, and Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. It was a giant road and, and tens of thousands would walk that road. Ever heard of Masada? Israel, uh, there are no Jews in, in Israel. This is Palestinian land. Ever heard of Masada? Who's ever been to Masada? Yeah. Ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? 1947, the little shepherd it goes into a cave and finds those jars and uh, opens them up and slam, bam, thank you, Lord. Here's evidence that there is a Jewish community that was here in Qumran down by the Dead Sea uh, for thousands of years before Islam was even founded. Ever heard of Josephus? The ancient historian, he's, all of his writings prove the Jews possessed the land of Israel. Ever heard of the Arch of Titus? Who's ever been to Rome? I'd love to get to Rome one day. Uh, in Rome, they have the Arch of Titus. Titus was the general that finally conquered Jerusalem and burned Jerusalem to the ground. And they commemorated an arch that stands this day. Look it up. Uh, showing all of uh, the Roman soldiers carrying out all of the temple artifacts from Herod's temple, Solomon's temple, back to Rome. Celebrating the victory and the Arch of Titus uh, commemorates that. That's hundreds and hundreds of years before there wasn't Islam. Isn't it interesting that no nation ever fully settled Israel for those 2,000 years since the times of uh, Jesus? Isn't that interesting? There's a quote by Mark Twain in the late 1800s. He went to Israel and he said, We walked for days and didn't see a soul. Where are all the souls? Because back at that time, the Arabs weren't building cities. They weren't uh, uh, building much of it. They were just Bedouins. And they would travel from uh, the Lebanon area down to the Jordan area. They'd be here, there, and everywhere. And so... Uh, God made promises to the Jewish people beginning with Abraham and then passing it on to Isaac and Jacob uh, that he's never reneged on. He's never withdrawn those promises. In fact, he said that just before the coming of the Messiah uh, that there would be a great prophetic sign called Aliyah. And that Aliyah would begin, and Jews that were scattered since 70 AD around the world would suddenly have this inner drive to return to their ancestral homeland, Israel, and they are. And you and I are helping to do that. I've, I've been on the tarmac. 
when, when Ukrainian Jews and Russian Jews and Ethiopian Jews for the very first time have landed in Israel and they're coming down uh, uh, the stairs out of the plane and they fall to their knees and they kiss the ground. They've been waiting for this moment. Their, their ancestors had prayed for this moment and they're experiencing Aliyah. Very special. So it leads us to, there's historical and archaeological evidence. What about biblical evidence? Well, show me chapter and verse, brother. Okay. Genesis 12, 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give you this land. Genesis 12, 7. Show me where that is in the Bible. Okay, Genesis 13, 14. After Lot left, the Lord said to Abram, Look around you. Look north, south, east, and west. All of the land that you see I will give to you and your people who live after you. This will be your land forever. I looked up the word forever, and it means forever. Aren't you glad when God said, if you'll believe in me, I'll give you eternal life? He didn't have a, uh, a deadline on when that ends. That expires in 1999. Genesis fifteen seven, He said to Abram, the Lord, I am the Lord who led you from Ur of Babylonia. I did this so I could give you this land. You will own this land. Genesis fifteen eighteen, On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And that's what they gave them way back in the, uh, at the end of World War I. And then suddenly everybody, uh, Israel doesn't have no oil that we know of, but all these other countries seem to have oil. Uh, we're going to take from Israel and give to you and incur favor so that the flow of oil keeps coming. Genesis 17, 7. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Genesis 18.18 actually 19 speaks of this. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Well, he promised him the land. And he's pledging, I'm going to keep my promise. When Joshua came in, the Lord said to Joshua in Joshua 23.43, The Lord gave to Israel all the land He had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. Verse 45, Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything He had spoken came true. 1 Kings 4.21 
Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philistines and the border of Egypt in the south. The conquered peoples of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime, defining the boundaries. Psalm 105, 8-11 He remembers His covenant forever. The word which He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which He made with Abraham and His oath to Isaac. And He confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. Yeah? And then there's so many more, but when we first... uh, Uh, were led to plant olive groves in Israel. God led us to Amos 9 as a prophecy. And in Amos 9, 14, 15, it says, I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. Says the Lord your God. Sounds like a promise, doesn't it? Amen. So there's a pretty handsome list of promises that God made and uh, how many of you realize that today when we're battling fake news and we're seeing anti-Semitism rising and uh, uh, pro-Hamas people demonstrating, it's important that we know that God promised the land of Israel to the Jewish people as an eternal possession. How can the Messiah return if it, the land isn't in Jewish hands? If the land is in Arab hands, how does the Messiah come? Yeah. So the promise is unconditional. And God confirms it at least 55 times. We could have read another couple dozen scriptures. Uh, we just don't have the time. Uh, So for Bible-believing Christians, do you believe your Bible today? This is my Bible. I only believe part of it. The parts I don't like, I don't believe. I won't be everything or do everything that it says, only the parts that I I approve of. Is that, that our creed and our pledge? Absolutely not. Our pledge is, I believe the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. So this is overwhelming evidence, archaeological evidence, historical evidence, political evidence, biblical evidence that demands a verdict from the church, from every individual Christian. Not every pastor wants to talk about this. We've, we've heard from Pastor Troy, he's been told by pastor because of his involvement with going to Austin and all of his political contacts that uh, pastors that he knows refuse to talk about this. But it, they should listen to this sermon. 
and then have their argument not with us. Take your argument to the Lord. But we're going to be convinced of overwhelming evidence. It demands a verdict. Amen. And the verdict is the promised land always has and always will belong to Israel since the days of Abraham until the coming of the Messiah. Well, if you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big praise.